podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everyone and welcome to the AI Premier League preview pod after the dust settles on another historic European night at Anfield. Tonight we'll be taking a look back at that sort of memorable performance from the Reds and also looking ahead uh, to this weekend's game against Stoke and joining me on this week's pod. I'm delighted to have two great guests as always, uh, Stoke fan Adam Hinhaw and AI's very own James Milner, Guy Drinkle. Welcome guys. Good evening. Last year I would have took that as an insult. I know, exactly. <laughs> that's, that, that's really a, a uh, indicative of, sort of James Milner's transformation, isn't it? That last year you'd have gone, oh, that's disgusting, especially with your, <laughs> sort of, your opinion of left-backs. And then also uh, yeah, this season he's Mr. Mr. Do-It-All. But um, Absolutely. yeah, we'll come on to the James Milner portion of the podcast because weirdly there, there's been one on every single one we've done for the past uh, at least three or four months. So, um, but, but, but before that, obviously I want to start with Stoke and, and bring you in, Adam. And um, I, I tried very hard to make this intro as sort of <laughs> as light as possible, but it's not light. Let's face it; it's, it's just one win since the turn of the year and, and four successive defeats um, in the league as a draw as well. But um, the, the the chances of escaping relegation appear to have evaporated, despite the fact, obviously, that winning all three games, all, all three of your remaining games, would perhaps you know, give you that best chance of, of avoiding the drop, but given the fact that it's been, what, one win in 12 since Lambert's been appointed, that that is seeming a sort of impossible task. But before we get into the blame game, before we get into everything around how you, you got into this situation, how it could have been avoided, um, and I guess then thinking towards the future anyway, just generally, um, is, is I just want to sort of judge the feeling amongst the fan base. Um, is the feeling... Um, pretty despondent following that Burnley result where you, you probably needed to get those three points or is it that there's, you know, just fighting to the end? Is it sort of the Ryan Shawcross mantra that he's come out with in the press, obviously talking about how you, we're, we're going to keep fighting. Anybody who doesn't want to fight won't play, etc. Um, the mood in the fan base, understandably, is going to be pretty despondent, but um, is the feeling that that is it now that you, that it's, it's unlikely you're going to escape? Yeah, I think um, for for many for many fans, I, I think there's been despondency creeping in since well since before Christmas. I think there was, you know, there was an air of inevitability. Um, you know, I think we went through a spell just before Christmas where um, we lost three or four games on the trot, three nil, I think, and um, culminating in the Coventry FA Cup defeat in January. Um, and I think. By then, we felt that it was kind of the point of no return. Um, only a real, radical, kind of exciting, energetic managerial appointment might have given us given us a chance of of staying up. But I right. guess, there's, yeah. that's, that's, that's you know, um, but obviously, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll talk about that shortly. But you know, although you know, one win in twelve is, is you know, it's pretty horrific. Performances they've not drastically improved um, enough, but we've we've maintained um, being involved in games i think is is probably right. um a fair analogy to to make we you know w- we've not suffered um a battering we've uh, we've actually taken the lead in um in four i think at least of those 12 games um 
I think we've lost 18 points from winning positions. So I think whilst we have continued to lose, there has always been at the back of some supporters' mind that it a, a corner has got to turn at some point. Um, Paul Lambert's come in. We've had a lot of, you know, if you look at the fixtures Paul Lambert's had, um, some of the blame has to go down to Lambert because of the games that that he's that he's had. Yeah. Um, you know, I know we 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 have played, you know, Tottenham, Man City, we'll play Liverpool um, and Arsenal in that time, but we've also had over half of the games against teams around us or or I was going to say below us. There's not many below us, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Teams absolutely. that are around us. So so there have been games where we could have picked up points, and it's and it's not happened. You know, partly due to the fact that we haven't addressed the major issue that we've had and continue to have is that we haven't got a goal scorer. Um, and, you know, the one player we have got up front is unfortunately missing some catastrophic chances that ultimately have, have cost us points. So um, I think the Burnley game was the final straw. I think a win, um, given some of the, the teams around us and the fixtures that they've still got to play, Huddersfield notably, um, there was still a chance. There is still a permutation around that, you know, it's still the miracle might happen. It still could happen, even if we lose on Saturday, um, you know, given Huddersfield's run of run of fixtures. But it, I mean, it is a minor miracle now. And, and I think Saturday, what Sunday, sorry, was the kind of final straw, really, where where people did resign themselves to championship football. Sure, and uh, yeah, I, th- I think you're right to highlight some of those sort of fixtures that you're talking about around the teams with sort of around you in the table. There's there's lots of draws there against people that you you'd imagine those games are sort of six pointers and um, haven't managed to get enough wins from those games. And we'll definitely come on to talk about the sort of the issue in terms of strikers and things like that. But um, just to take it all the way back to the start of the season, then I mean, were there any signs then? I mean, despite sort of the staleness, I'd say, of sort of Mark Hughes's um, end at Stoke, and it, it really did feel like he wasn't entirely sure. And, and you can tell me if I'm wrong on this, but it didn't appear entirely clear on what he was trying to do with the side any longer in terms of the philosophy, the playing style. Um, there were really bright moments over the years that then he didn't seem to follow up. It was it was, it was quite strange to watch from the outside. Um, but were there any signs prior to this season that you that you'd struggle to the extent that you have um, sort of, sort of before the season began? I guess one of the glaring ones would have been the concern around the sort of the availability of top top toy strikers. Yeah, I mean recruit. Yeah, I mean, you know a lot of supporters wanted a change of manager in the summer. Some some may have gone even a little bit further further back than that. I know we've we've spoke on this for seems like a few a, a few years now, and there's certainly been been some highs. Um, but you know, I think certainly the last eighteen months has been has has been really poor. Um, and I think the owners really um, were using up. Well, Mark Hughes was using credit that he'd that he'd got in the bank, shall we say, for three ninth place finishes. Um, they don't tell the whole story. You know, it's quite easy to just say, "Well, you finished ninth, so everything must be okay." There's a lot, you know, there's there's a lot that went on around that as well. It doesn't it doesn't paint the whole story. Um, so the the warning signs were there, and as I say, a lot of fans, I'd say it was probably 50-50, would have accepted a change of, of manager in, in the summer. Um, that didn't happen, so we were left hoping that key areas um, 
of the squad were going to be addressed. We had the conundrum of Bojan and Mbulo still. Um, you know, something was, was afoot there. So they didn't really start the season. And Bula got, you know, shipped out on loan. Um, and the striker, we thought, perhaps Berahino would have been the answer to, to that. Um, however, we, you know, we all know now how that's how that's turned out. Mm-hmm. Certainly, has spent, the talent, isn't it? It's, it's real, it, real, it, real shame though to the wasted talent. It, it is, and you know, it's really hard to pin down. You know, we we don't get all the story. It's really hard to pin down the exact um, problem. But it is, you know, I I actually think he could have been a real um, a real success at Stoke. I, you know, he's got he's got all the attributes for me, um, and it is a crying shame when you look at, you know. He didn't. He's not. He got no competition at Stoke whatsoever. He, you know, if he'd got his mentality right, got his fitness right, he could have walked into this team, played every game, scored fifteen goals, and you know we might be looking in a in a totally different a, a different place. But he could be off to a World Cup, couldn't he? Really, it's just yeah. well, you, you you just never know, you know. And, and as I say, it is a wasted talent, and he's still only young, so you just wonder where where he goes from here now. Um, so. Hughes then started the season with thinking that we're going to play wing-backs. Um, however, he didn't buy wing-backs, which, uh, you know, which was a travesty, really. We went, you know, we played Eric Peters in a wing-back position. Now, Eric Peters defensively is probably OK. Going forward, I'm sure you'll be the first to admit, is not his strength. And he can't cross the road, let alone cross a ball. So, you know, to play um, a left-sided wing-back in Eric Peters is really poor. And then on the right-hand side, for some unbeknown reason, he couldn't find a right wing-back and decided to start the season playing Mambiram Juf as a right-back, um, who obviously is, um, I'm not sure what he's renowned for, but his position is is a striker. So they were two obvious mistakes to start with. We didn't get a ba- uh, settled back three. Bruno Martins Indies transfer was delayed. He came in um, too late, missed the pre-season, got injured. Um Kevin Wimmer was signed, didn't really need him. He struggled. Luke's, you know, a, a million miles away from a Premier League defender. Um, Shawcross then got injured. So, you know, we were really up against it from from day one, really. Um, and then the midfield, we went in, into the season with, with with Alan, who have got nothing against Joe Allen at all. I, th- I think he's he's been the one one of the two shining lights this season. But alongside him was Darren Fletcher, who you know, was, was filling Glenn Whelan's shoes. You know, we swapped one aging midfielder for another. Um, so really, key areas were not addressed and we were playing the wrong tactics, the wrong formation for the personnel that, that we got. We're notoriously slow starters in the Premier League under Hughes. That continued and we've just not been able to turn it round. So um, I think in hindsight, looking back, the owners may have, um, address the situation with the manager a little bit sooner. Leaving it to January was far too late. You know, for me, the West Ham game at home was was I think November time. Yeah. Um, Arnautovic came and played a blinder. Um, it looked like the players were lacking effort, fitness, discipline, and I think at that point the change was needed. Uh, and it and it dragged on far too long, and it's been too too much to pull back. Um, too many errors to address in a in a short space of time. And Lambert came in halfway through the transfer window, so didn't really even have any time to um go out and buy the you know the players that we actually needed. 
Yeah, I was about to say. I, mean, I, I was speaking to a West Brom fan not long, not long ago on this pod. Actually, it was, it was just last week, and talking about how for them as well, they also pinpointed hanging on to a manager f- for too long when it was clear that he wasn't having any effect with that insult of Adam Pardew. Uh, in terms of Mark Hughes, and then where where it all went wrong with him, then I mean. Where do you think it started to drift away in terms of, you mentioned those sort of positive finishes into the ninth place, but there were underlying concerns. I remember speaking to you beforehand about underlying concerns regarding mm. his management. Um, you mentioned some fans had sort of lost faith in him before the season began. Where did you stand on it? And where, and where do you stand on, I guess, his, I don't, I don't want to say legacy, but his, um, sort of, how would you review him, uh, in terms of where things went wrong for him. Yeah, it's a real pity because, you know, we've spoken on this on this show before when when really Stoke were going through a bit of a purple patch. You know, I, I think we were on when we were getting the Stoke alone attack, you know, Bojan yeah, on yeah, out yeah. of it, Shakiri. Um, I think for you know, me, just literally... S- sorry to interrupt. Adam, no, no. I, I think the thing for me that, I mean, this is completely an outside view and, and, and tell me if it's just off the mark, but the thing I didn't seem to understand is when he seemingly had stumbled, or, or perhaps it's rude to say stumbled, but stumbled upon the right formula to the combination of players, and I know he's a very diminutive guy, but when you're building around Boyan and he was having such a, in, in, you know, such, such a positive season, to have ended up so far away from that seems kind of strange. And I, I, I just wonder what happened there. It's it's crazy, yeah. I mean, you know, that, that spell, you know, we... Um... You know, those, those three together were kind of ripping up the Premier League. You know, we there were game home games against Man City and Man United where we, you know, they were, it was some of the best football I've ever seen at Stoke, um, and and it was fantastic. And then I think the following game, I mean, we're talking what two two seasons, two and a half seasons ago, um, I think we played West Brom at home, um, and something didn't quite click in that game for you know for one reason or another, and um, and then ever since then. He, it was as if it was kind of well, he, he just threw it all away and and kind of tried to go back to basics. But I think ultimately what what cost Hughes was, um, you know, I, I don't think we can underestimate the, you know, what what Tony Pulis brought to Stoke City and how how he left Stoke City. Yeah, he left when we were thirteenth and the football wasn't great, but the bedrock of Stoke City was there. You know, we had um, a solid def- you know, solid keeper, solid back four. The spine of the team was there. You know, Shawcross, Whelan, Walters, you know, Grafters, hard work. You know, that is Stoke City. That's what it's all about. And Hughes inherited all of that. And he said on appointment he was very lucky. It was the best dressing room he'd ever inherited. But slowly but surely, he, he couldn't start replacing those players that were naturally coming to their end. And it was as if as soon as he started to try and change, um, you know, by, you know, I mean, he added Arnautovic to that squad. You know, that, that squad was, was a, was a solid core and it just needed a couple of, of flair players like Arnautovic. And that's, and that's, you know, why we finished ninth. We basically finished ninth with Tony Pulis's team with a couple of added extras and the same the season after. But then they needed changing. And he couldn't do it. And I think if you look back in his managerial clubs, the same thing happened at QPR. Um, you know, inherited a decent side, started putting his own players, his own stamp on it, making that impact, um, starting to spend money and kind of lost the plot a little bit. And then really 
I, I think he will probably admit himself he didn't really know where to go after that. There was he didn't know where to turn. He didn't know his best team, didn't know his best eleven. Um so, you know, I think that's where it all went wrong for me. When when he started to have that effect on on the team himself and try and bring in the players that he wanted to, he couldn't replace what you know, effectively what he was trying to replace. Um and it was a shame because, you know, his legacy is kind of tarnished now. You know, we, you know, I'll bring it up because we're talking about Liverpool. But the last game of the season against Liverpool was probably the the most best performance, apart from Bolton in the semi final of the FA Cup under Pulis that mm. I've ever seen. It's in, weird uh, that in, I can't know. I can't remember that game at all. It's <laughs> I'm <really> sure. Strange. <laughs> um, you know, but you you just look at where where the teams are. You know, I mean, I know we're not. You know, we can't compare ourselves to Liverpool. But you look at, at where the two teams are today, and it's. Well, you would never believe that that happened within the last three or four years. Whenever it happened, it was you know it's miles away from where we are today, and it's and it's a shame because you know there are some of the best games I've ever seen in a, in a Stoke shirt um, under Mark Hughes. But ultimately, the last eighteen months have been horrific and as bad, if not worse, as when Pulis was in charge. And this is what we wanted to replace. So, you know, it's 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 a strange one, really. There's you know there's not one. Um, finger to blame. There's, there's a culmination. Um, owners, you know, not sacking in time. Recruitment's been poor. Tactics, formation, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, <clears throat> yeah, it's it, it's a real shame, and ultimately, it's going to cost us our place in the Premier League. And and who knows what will happen next season? Right. Yeah. I mean, and and just looking through your squad. I mean, I was I was, I was looking through it, and there is. There is some real talent there, but of course, when you do come towards the attackers and you see just just how thin on the ground it is, and, and I guess how regularly you had to rely on you know, the likes of Peter Crouch, um, who, despite his obvious qualities, I think no, no one would doubt them, um, is, is obviously not able to put in a consistent run for you, um, especially given his age, really. But um, that lack of a reliable goal scorer, then, I mean, I mean, how you mentioned there. Was it Diouf who's missed some sort of big chances for you? But ha- but how has that yeah. gone throughout the season? Then have you tried one then the other, and um, it's not proved to work? I mean, obviously Hesse came in as well. Um, did he yeah. ever look like he was going to um, perhaps be the answer? Well, the impact he made on his debut against Arsenal, you know, and actually Berahino and Hesse partnered up um, for the winning goal against Arsenal, which you know seems like a lifetime ago, and uh, I think that was second game of the season, and. Um, and we thought, yeah, we've got a real a real talent here. We bought um, Chopper Moting on a free transfer from Schalke, who um, basically come in to replace Arnautovic. Um, and I think you realise the impact Arnautovic had on Stoke when he wasn't was when he wasn't here. And I think at that point, people started to see cracks were appearing. So he left under a cloud, questioning Stoke's ambition. You could tell the games that he's played against Stoke. Um, and subsequently against Southampton with Hughes in charge, the reaction he's given Hughes uh, when he scored, um, you know, there was no, there's obviously no love loss there between the two, which is a shame because Hughes kind of salvaged his career to, um, to some extent from um, from Werder Bremen. Um, but yeah, so you know, we've we've tried numerous um, attacking options. So Berahino was one we tried. We tried Hesse, Chopper Motin, who's who's had a you know. A fleeting start to his Stoke career. Really scored two against Man United in a in a draw. Um, gone back to Juve. Crouch. We've tried. So there hasn't really been a settled. Uh, you know, 
I still think Berahino has never he's not been given a fair a fair crack. Now we don't know what's going on behind the scenes uh, to some extent, whether he's he's earned that or not. Um, but he seemed he, he came back into the squad probably about seven, eight or nine games ago. Now he came on as sub. Actually, I think it was against Everton. It looked really sharp, um, and then fell out of favour again. And we've not and we've not seen him since. Juve for me. I've never rated. I've, I, you know, I, I think he's technically poor. Um, there's a myth that he that he that he tries hard and he's got a lot of pace. You know, I I, I can't see that. Um, and he's may you know, I, I mean, the chance he missed on Sunday. I don't know if you've seen it. It was, you know, it, it was glaring. He he missed one at West Ham. He missed one against Tottenham. Uh, two against West Ham. There's chances there to win the game, um, and he's not taken them. And when you don't create many chances like we do. Um, They've got to, you've got to stick them away. Um, and you can see then that players around him have lost confidence in him. Shakiri, you know, um, I think he scored seven this season. Um, he's, he's, he's been positive for most of the season, but I think he's starting to lose the plot because he's not playing with players good enough around him who run his, his wavelength, which, which is a shame. So it isn't, it's the final third. Lambert's come in and addressed defensively. I think. I think defensively we are, you know, we're pretty sound now. Obviously, Butland in goal, um, Allen and Badu uh, and Die from Galatasaray looked a good signing, but then it kind of just you're missing those those final two or three positions um, up top, which you know, you know, being a Liverpool fan, what difference that can make when you get two or three players up there who can um, kind of irrelevant what goes on behind you because. You know they're banging them in for fun, so yeah, it's it, it all falls down when um, we get into the final third. Yeah, for sure. I mean, in terms of Diouf, he's, he's always struck me as somebody who the athletic ability might be there, but there hasn't been much in the way of sort of football brain for sure. Every time I've seen him, he's definitely got pace, but I think some of the goals I remember him scoring literally just direct runs where yeah, where there's there, there, there's very little to think about. But um, yeah, in terms of right. Lambert since, since he's come in, I mean. You, you're mentioning here, I think, really, um, whilst he should have got more out of some of those games against the sides around you, he is working with, didn't get a full transfer window. The strike force isn't there, for example. So when you, you do need, you always need a goal scorer when you're down there fighting like that. Um, what has he tried to change? I mean, were there any sort of big noticeable shifts that he he made tactically, um, you know, trying to pair different players together or um, try a different setup at least? Um, well, the the one thing that that he has done is that I think he's raised the fitness. So I think it was quite evident that um, the players were lacking in in fitness. We noticed the very first game against Huddersfield, he made a massive impact. Um, there was a hard press, um, but players couldn't consistently do that because they weren't they weren't fit enough to do it. It works against Huddersfield. Um, they've not been able to do that in every game, but in some of the games, you know that um, they have. They have been. Um, that's the style of play that they've adopted, and to some uh, respects, it's 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 worked. Well, it's kept the score down anyway, uh, which which is good. So he's organised us defensively, uh, which has made a massive difference. So we've always been in games. Um, so that's that's been noticeable. The last few games, he's uh, well, certainly on Sunday, he went four four two, which is the first time he's he's done that. Um, other than that, you know, positional-wise, nothing 
nothing major um, has has changed. I mean, the the Allen and Badu and Dye pairing in, in midfield is lively. It's energetic. Uh, I mean, you'll know Joe Allen. He, he'll run around all day, uh, which you know for a hard press, you know that's that's what you need. And Dye the same. He seems um, so. He's he's come with a lot of with a lot of fitness behind him. Um, so you know the middle of the park. You know that's that's what we that's what we're trying to do. Um, he's not quite sure. I don't think what to do with Shakiri. So we've you know we've we've had a few games where he's been playing down the right and cutting in uh, as as we're more familiar with. He's then tried to play him as 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 a number ten, which many would think is his best position, but um, that's not not quite worked out. Um, Sunday tactically it was a bit. It was a bit strange, really, because we bought Moritz Bauer in from um, Ruben Kazama, right back. Very, very good um, right back. Had some great performances at right back, right wing back. Then he started edging him into right side of midfield, presumably and bringing Glenn Johnson back in, which, which was a bit a bit strange, uh, presumably to get some more energy down the right-hand side to move Shakiri in. Um, and then on Sunday he moved him back over onto the left side of midfield, which again was a bit was a bit baffling. So, you know, just and, and some substitutions have not quite been uh, what what you would expect. So, you know, on the whole, there have been some positives, but again, it's really hard to to see past those when when you're still not winning games, you're still losing games, and there are still some areas of the pitch that you would. You would you would question, but I think he's had a lot to sort out. Discipline, he's needed to sort out. I mean, there's some horrific stories of, of players, you know, posting stuff on social media. You know, there's a real belief around Stoke now that a lot of players, or some, just really don't care. So, you know, Afalai has been banished from the training ground, so he won't play again this season. Kevin Wimmer the same. Hesse's had his contract ripped up because uh, you know he. He just failed to t- keep showing up for training, the Berahino scenario. So a lot of these things were obviously being left for Hughes. Hughes was just not not tackling the issue. So there's been a lot that he's had to deal with. So in some respects, you could say that he's had too much to deal with in, in a short space of time before he even got onto the pitch. Um, so, you know, it's it's unfortunate. No, for sure. It sounds like there's a whole scale changes that need to need to be made I mean then I guess if you are to drop down to the, to the championship then is there the belief amongst supporters then that it should be somebody different from Lambert who's who's left with the job of trying to rebuild yeah I think so I mean it's fair to say he wasn't wholesale popular opinion you know he, his managerial record is not brilliant um, he's now got I think I think statistically Stoke's worst manager in, in their history, uh, which which is obviously not a great endorsement. Um, so, yeah, I think now, whilst A, he wasn't everybody's first choice, everyone has got behind him remarkably well. They can see what he's tried to instill in the team and in the players. So at least they can see that they're giving 100% in their, in their try. But I, I don't think many would argue if they were to say at the end of the season, you know, thanks for giving it a good go, but we're going to we're going to try and look in a in a different direction. Whether the owner Peter Coates wants to do that, he does fit Peter Coates's DNA. Whether he thinks that he wants to give him the summer to try and rebuild a squad for the championship, he knows the championship is that important. Um, who knows? But he's certainly off the back of one win in twelve is not 
necessarily brimming everyone with with confidence and you wonder whether that yeah. will will affect supporters going into the season you kind of want to re re-energize everything going into the new season in a new division and i wonder whether keeping lambert might not necessarily galvanize the city again um, to giving it a real good promotion push yeah for sure and uh, j- just coming on to the weekend's game then briefly i mean um, obviously, you've got Palace and and then Swansea for your last two games, and and um, so against us, obviously being away from home. Um, how do you think you're going to go about setting up tactically then? Because because obviously, you would have seen in terms of teams that give us any sort of space at all um, seem to get sort of sort of ripped to shreds really. And um, but you're going to have to be coming out and you try and score goals, or is it going to have to be a a a case of you know, picking your moments? Um, Countering, sitting deep and countering, maybe waiting for set plays or more direct plays where you can perhaps take advantage, just like West Brom did. To be fair to them, even though we were in control of that game for large, large portions, they, they took two opportunities from pretty direct, direct play and uh, managed to grab a draw from it. Um, is, would you think he's trying to replicate that sort of performance? Oh, it's <clears throat> it's a really tough one, isn't it? Because you, you kind of think, well, it's damage limitations. You know, do we? Did we just go for it? Um, you know, what side are Liverpool going to going to put out? Bearing in mind, you know, the Champions League next next week, um, it's it's a really it's a really tough one. I mean, chances are we're going down. So, <clears throat> you know, does he does he actually say, do you know what, I'll take a point and we'll try and go and and we'll try and kind of you know do the performance like we did at West Ham, where we just try and contain and stay in the game as long as we possibly can. Um, and then hope results go go for us, and then go go all out in the remaining two games for for two victories, because I guess the other side, the the negative side of that, or the the other side of that is that, you know, we could go for the win at Liverpool, get absolutely smashed, lose three, four, five nil, um, confidence is then battered. Results go our way on Saturday, but we just can't pick ourselves up to to you know to get anything out of the next of the next two games. So, I I wouldn't want to be in Paul Lambert's situation about how he goes about setting up on on Saturday. I, re- I really wouldn't. Um, but again, you know, those two goals last night for Roma might have done us a favour. Who knows what what's in Klopp's mind now going into that that Champions League game? You know, does he does he risk resting those those front three? Or two of the three, or just Salah, or you know who, who knows? Because to be fair, I mean it seems a long time ago now, but the the game at uh, the bet three six five, um, you know that game was relatively tight until Salah came on, um, and you know two touches and he scored two goals and took the game away from us. Um, but it was it was a relatively tight contest. Now I know Liverpool have improved massively since then, um, and. You know, like you say, scoring goals for fun, not lost at home all season. So it's it's a tough one to call. I, I really, I, the thing is, he can't deviate much away from what he's got. He's only got what he's got to play with. So there's nothing going to be radical about it. I wouldn't have thought. Um, you know, I, I think the only the only dilemma would be, does he play Crouch or not? Um, that you know, for me, that would be that would be the only kind of bit in the team where I'm thinking is you know where. Is is that what's going to happen? Glenn Johnson probably, I I would say he limped off. He probably won't start. So Bauer might switch back to um, to right back, which might mean Sobi comes back in on on the left. Um, 
you know, but I can't see them deviating deviating too much from from the personnel we saw on Sunday. Yeah, I seem to remember Glenn Johnson helping us over the years actually in terms of some of his performances against us. So yeah, I'm not sure. I think that's... he's helped. He's helped quite a lot of opposition teams. I would have thought <laughs> in his in his time. Yeah, I it was a real that, yeah. strange one in, in coming back into into the squad. I mean, mm. people would it, it kind of been written off. I mean, he was he's been angling for a move. He, he wanted to move. He wanted to move back to London. I think I think he lives in London and and, and travels to Stoke on the train with Peter Crouch. Um, so I think he was angling for a move to West Ham. West Ham bought Zabaleta. Um, Johnson had to stay. Um, and kind of have been frozen out, and for some reason Lambert seen something to bring him, bring him back in. So yeah, bit bit peculiar that one. Yeah, you you do wonder exactly what it is he's seen. But um, anyway, Adam, yeah, thank thanks so much for giving me that insight. Obviously, not the most um, comfortable insight <laughs> to be giving in terms of the way in which things have gone for you this season, especially when you think about how consistent you guys had been in terms of perhaps not the clearest of visions of where you were going, but in terms of actually stability in the table. Yeah, it's it's definitely a shock to see how things have gone. So yeah, really appreciate that insight. And we'll definitely be coming on to talk about the game a little bit further just before we wrap up. But so, guy, bringing you bring you in now, t- talking Liverpool. Uh, it's, it's it's hard not to start, I guess, with that performance last night. Um, so many things you could you could talk to about it. Um, I think, but by the time the game ended, uh, just the manner of uh, how the game ended. Obviously, there were frustrations in that, uh, in things we'd seen many, many times before, and having to to relive some of those frailties that we have come to uh, to see less and less this season, especially since Van Dyke's come in. But um, the overall feeling, I think, should be one of you know one of joy that we were able to put on that sort of performance in a Champions League semi final. Um, I'm sure plenty of people um, and players who, who could potentially join us, I guess, their heads were raised by that performance. Um, what what did you make of it? Were you were you expecting anything like that in terms of you, know, you think about the context of this sort of game? They're usually tight. It's an Italian team. Or when you, when you saw that three three at the back, did you sort of rub your hands? I I don't think anyone was expecting five goals. I mean, <laughs> it, it it's getting insane. I mean, our, our Champions League campaign, it, it, goals wise, especially, it's just it's just mental. I mean, seven twice, five, a couple times. What we did to Man City, especially, was just it was terrifyingly good um but no to score five it, 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 bloody brilliant i mean the, the italians are stereotypically brilliant at defending um i, I don't think roma do stereotypes <laughs> looking at last night um but yeah we, we were we were bloody brilliant um but unfortunately it kind of showed um stereotypical Liverpool at points, doesn't it? Uh, brilliant going forward and a bit stupid at the back. But as you said, Van Dijk and, and Carrius will add to that as well. Um the they're not they're not as common as they were, but it just it kind of showed that it's still there and um we we do need to improve it in the summer. But overall five two, I'm not I'm not I don't think anyone should go overboard with, with the love and criticism. I mean it it's still there, but I think we're used to it now that I can't just can't be bothered blowing up every time he does something wrong. But um, yeah, five two, absolutely, absolutely thrilling, absolutely thrilled with that result, Harry. I'm not going to lie, yeah. <laughs> it was bloody brilliant. And um, just just to get it out of the way, because obviously I think there's, there's plenty of people you could talk about, and plenty of people have spoken about this this player in particular. But I think we have we have to say something about Salah. Um, whether it was just how how fun 
I seem to find the fact that he was desperately trying to not celebrate that second goal whilst Firmino did a karate kick in the background, nearly taking his head off. Um, <laughs> I mean, to, to put in the performances that he's he's putting in, in, in these sorts of games, um, and, and showing all sorts of sort of qualities in terms of after scoring those goals, then being the assister um, you know, for, for Firmino, um, trying to bring other people into the game. I mean, what... What what more can we say about the performances uh, this guy's putting in? Um, I, I'm literally running out of words for the bloke. Uh, <laughs> it, it's get it's getting to that standard. I mean, all he can say is that I'd never thought I'd see a player top Luis Suarez's 13-14 season. I mean, Suarez obviously did some mental stuff, like both bad and good. I mean, his worldy goals were different level, but Salah. <laughs> Salah's consistency and just his his natural goal scoring, it it's just bloody brilliant. And to to even compare him to Suarez is a big enough um, big enough thing to say. But yeah, I think he's surpassing him. <laughs> it it's just absolutely mental. And yeah, Salah. All I can hope is that he stays here for the rest of his bloody career. Because if he does, Jesus Christ, we're gonna we're gonna have. Such a player, such a legend on our hands, and if they if this season continues like it is, and he's gonna and he's gonna pass re- even more records that he's already passing, he's gonna be down in our history books, and hopefully he he stays loved and doesn't doesn't end up um, like some of the other ones who uh, you're not allowed to even mention nowadays. But no, this season he's he's been fantastic, and the the PFA award. Um, um, was it the weekend? Whenever it was, it, it, it's it's only it's the only hopefully the starting point of what he earns this season because it, he he deserves he deserves a big trophy this year because I mean the the Ronaldo Messi stranglehold on the Ballon d'Or I don't think it's ever been as under threat as it is now. Uh, that's probably a bit biased from my point of view, but if if we do end up, I don't want to jinx it. Touch wood. Um, if we do win the Champions League, I mean. That's the that's the most it's been under threat that that stranglehold on the Ballon d'Or because Mo Salah's been bloody phenomenal. Yeah, especially in terms of sort of, sort of likability factor as well. I mean, it seems like no one has a bad word to say about Mo Salah at all. I mean, thinking about some of the big players, Suarez, of course, there are plenty of bad things to say about him and, and, and just plen- just the couple. <laughs> yeah, and plenty which he earned himself. And then there's there's Coutinho. Think about the way in which he left and the way that sort of marred a little bit people's perception of him. Um, and also th- there was such a weird array of fans who were just obsessed with him not being anywhere near as good as he was, even though he clearly was. Um, and with Salah, it's just so undeniable. I <laughs> think it's, it, 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 it's really funny um, that people just, that, that there's no way, even though there were a few seemingly arguing with his player of the year or PFA player of the year award. I mean, I think there's, there's few doubting it now, are there really? But, um, one sad note, just just to mention, I think there's so much positive to talk about from last night, but I do want to bring it onto this and maybe talk about the wider issue that it raises. But um, Oxlade-Chamberlain suffering that injury, we've heard today he's out for the season, out for the World Cup. Um, you think about the way in which his performances were growing this season and how it's probably the most a part of something he's felt, really, if you think about how um, his his indifferent seasons at Arsenal, how, they, how those went and... Um, he had the chance to be in a Champions League final, go to a World Cup, be a key part of those teams, and feel absolutely gutted for him. Don't you? He's, he's probably going to be out for about six months, if not longer. Um, yeah, just what do you make of that injury? And also, what do you make of the fact that that, that leaves us very light 
on options in terms of midfield. Yeah, in terms of Ox, it, it, it's it's absolutely gutting. Um, I'd probably say since Coutinho left, um, you've seen the transformation in James Milner and Oxlade Chamberlain, and they've really just stepped up. And with with Ox, he's turned into such a key member of the team, um, especially in big games where there's space and his, his ability to drive. I mean, I don't like comparing players to Gerard and stuff like that, but you kind of see little glimpses of that. I mean, he's nowhere near as... Um, explosive or, or, or the ability of Gerard, but you just see little glimpses like we haven't seen that since Gerard, um, and it, it's absolutely going. Um, I think the the thing that makes it worse with Ox, he seems such a likable guy as well. Um, you see his Instagram stuff taking taking the mick out of a uh, Lovren and stuff like that. It's like probably one of my favourite players off the pitch. Never mind on it. Um, and yeah, it's absolutely devastating. As you said, it's not just Liverpool; it's England. I know, I know Liverpool fans probably don't care care as much, but he he was he was in such good form. He was earning his earning his way back into the starting eleven for that. After being, uh, I think he was dropped um, towards the uh, end of his time at Arsenal. So yeah, it, it just kind of shows the progress he's made, and he, he'll be a huge miss for a huge miss for uh, both England and Liverpool, especially because, as you said. We basically have three central midfielders nowadays, uh, or now. Um, and Henderson, he, he seemingly can't play three games in a week, apart from the time he was uh, suspended for the Champions League, so it was needs must at that time. Um, but we need to protect him. Milner's 32, but fortunately he's a robot from the future, so he doesn't get injured. Um <laughs> Ginny Vijnaldum, again, he doesn't seem to get injured. I think the only time he's really been out this season when he was ill. Um, and what a performance so by him as well, coming coming oh, on into, in, into that sort of game, coming on to um, immediately pick up the pace of the game and, and, and perform the way he did. I mean, that was, um, yeah, very impressive. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It was pro- for me, it was probably the best um, performance in, in the Liverpool shirt. Um, just the fact that it's a Champions League semi-final as well. Um, he cared about probably played a bit more of his natural position as the attacking midfield and he he, he just show, he just shown his quality and that that's the only bad thing about Ginny. He goes missing so much and but when he's on, he's probably one of our best players. Um so yeah, Ginny's brilliant, but as I said, there's only three of them. So if we go back to the Stoke game, I, I'm hoping we see a couple debuts. Yeah. <laughs> Not to be disrespectful, but we have to protect them three. Maybe play one of them, but Who I wouldn't be thinking, surprised then? if we're seeing. Um, it's a weird thing because. People say Woodburn and Curtis Jones, but they're not really central midfielders. They're like um, what Lallana was kind of thing. They're more like attacking midfielders who drop back. So maybe maybe one of them to kind of replace Ox. But other, if you want actual central midfielders, you're probably be looking at Herbie Kane and uh, Matty Virtue. Um, they're probably the two off the top of my head. Um, so maybe we'll see one of them in the squad. I think Conor Masterson, he's obviously centre-back, but he has played in defensive midfield for the under-23s as well, if I think, if I remember correctly. So maybe he can do a job in seeing out a game and stuff like that. But I think yeah. we'll see. I think we'll, we should see one of the youngsters in midfielders unless we're going to have a change of formation because maybe we go 4-4-2 or something like that. I mean, we saw it earlier yeah, in the season, true. didn't we? Um, but yeah, I think, I think we'll probably see... Um, was it the Everton game where we literally had a, a Fred Bear squad and we had Rafa Camacho and um, stuff like that on the bench? So I think we'll probably see a squad like that probably for the rest of the season, not just the Stoke game. So yeah. hopefully hopefully we see some debutants because we we, de- we need to protect the team, let's be honest. But at the same time, we need to get top four. So there is a balancing act to, 
to be uh, to be done at the weekend. No, for sure. And just to sort of, sort of final touching points on last night, then I mean, um, I think Sadio Mane's performance and Bobby Firmino's performances—it's uh, so obvious to sort of talk about the performance. I think of of Mohamed Salah and just how just how iconic he's becoming. But um, Bobby Firmino, I think, similarly so. Sadio Mane perhaps getting fewer of the headlines, but I thought he was equally brilliant last night. Obviously, misses a hatful of chances before he actually finally gets on the on the score sheet, but. Um, none of those missed chances seem to sort of hamper his confidence at all. We seem to keep going, linking up with everybody, making sure the attack functioned as it needed to. Um, but if, if ever there's somebody who's integral to how that attack functions, especially in these European games where at times we are we are losing midfield battles uh, and we're having to bypass the midfield a little bit, uh, I saw the ball going directly to him and then he's dropping deep to spark a uh, you know, spark counters. I think he did that after about 20 minutes. He saw things weren't working, dropped deep, and then yeah, had such an impact on that game. I mean, those two obviously are performing a different role this season, obviously not getting as many of the headlines, but um, how, how integral do you think they are to, uh, or, or how, how integral do you think they've been to our performances in Europe this season? Oh, they've been huge. Um, absolutely huge. I mean, Mane got criticism for his um, not early season form because I think he actually got player of the month in like August um, but like his post Man City form he seemed to get a bit of criticism um, but yeah Man has really stepped up and we've seen his role change since Coutinho left as well he kind of stepped into a more creator role and trying to drop into midfield and stuff like that himself so yeah Man has been huge for for Europe and, and the Premier League really and hopefully he just keeps getting better but as, as you said he missed a, he missed a hat full of chances um, but he, he kept plodding along and, it, and overall his performance was brilliant he just kind of some some of the misses looked really really bad <laughs> that was about it really but for me no I mean I, I could I could say as many you know, thousands of words on how how important he is but all I'm going to say is just look at the West Brom game um, the team just looked completely yeah. wrong. I mean, Danny Ings probably had a good had a good performance for Danny Ings, but mm. the team it just didn't it didn't click. It didn't gel like it normally does, um, and that's what Firmino brings to the team. I mean, I think it's hard to argue that Salah's our best player, but if you look at if you look at Firmino in terms of linking the team, I think you could easily argue that he and Salah are probably our two most important players. Yeah, um, it's that partnership, isn't it? They, they really yeah. seem to be perfect for each, for each other in terms of Bobby doing so much work, um, Salah opening up so much space for him. And then I think the passing is, is, is something that's really surprised me as well because I think that was one thing that used to frustrate me about Firmino is um, he'd have these weird games where his passing would be completely off and you're like, this, this doesn't make sense. You're incredibly technically gifted despite yeah. the fact that most people think you're a workhorse. Um, and we were actually speaking last night, actually, on, on the on the post match raw pod, just about how um, I think the British public have, start, have started to, to sort of cotton on to how important he is, especially the sort of the media outlets in the country. But also, I think um, Brazilian fans, it's taken them a while, mm-hmm. but they're slowly starting to realise, oh wait, this guy's not just a you know, a big man who you, you, you try to hit long balls to, or he'll, he'll work hard for you. He's got all this technical ability as well. Um, yeah, so I think he'll be a fixture, or you'd hope so anyway, for for that Brazilian team um, leading into the World Cup. But um, yeah, absolutely, I couldn't, couldn't agree with you more there in terms of the work he's putting in. And um, just, I just want to see those ultra white teeth next to a Champions League trophy. That could be <laughs> that could be incredible, really. Imagine the after parties, really. Um, okay, then. I mean, just to move on from that, 
from that game, because there's so much we could talk about, really. Don't get too lost on it. But um, we, we've mentioned that um, changes are going to have to be made, um, despite the fact that we do still, despite those late lapses, go into that game with a three-goal lead. Um, it's more comfortable than it could have been, obviously, and um, perhaps that will lead to less rotation than we, than we initially would have seen. I imagine Salah's going to be in some sort of spa somewhere. or I, 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 I'd hope so, anyway. But, he, again, he's fighting for that record. Um, golden boot obviously and, and some other mm-hmm. personal records um, so I'm sure he'll have some, he'll randomly appear on, in, in the starting lineup again um, you mentioned Firmino there and the impact that that had him not starting but I know I thought one of the biggest impacts was changing both fullbacks um, and a centre-back it seemed to be a little bit too much in the end um, how many changes would you make at the back considering obviously we do have fullbacks to rotate in but mm-hmm. given there's likely to be some debuts there as you mentioned um just how many changes would you be making um it's an interesting one because if we talk about Trent specifically he's probably one of the names who you could put in midfield um in a, in a probably a more high pressure game as well so maybe the one to protect Trent but for me I'd probably think similar to the West Brom game I know it was it, it was bloody horrendous um on the day but I think if you just look at the fitness of three of them Gomez was buggered Moreno was buggered I mean he he was gassed like at half time and he was playing against Matty Phillips um I don't think St- I know Matty Phillips isn't isn't exactly known as the Premier League's best or most dangerous winger or stuff like that but he's a direct powerful threat and Stoke don't seem to have have that I know Shakiri's um very talented but I think he's he seemed to be playing more of a number 10 role. But yeah, I think I'll be, if he's got his uh, riven, riven back and more fit, I think he'll I think he'll be fair enough for this uh, Premier League game. I'd probably put Klein in, just if, he, if he's fit. I don't, I'm not sure how fit he is, but I think more experienced head. I mean, Joe Gomez, he seemed to be, the criticism he seemed to get after that West Brom game was just sloppiness and laziness at, towards the end, and that, that may come down to fitness. Just, I'd probably end up going Klein... Van Dijk, Clavin, Moreno again, Harry, if I'm honest. But yeah, I think if we play a kind of similar back four to the to the West Brom one with Klein, it'll have a bit more experience and it'll just have a bit more fitness. And um, mm. then if we move on to the midfield, it'll... Oh, God. <laughs> Ginny is the number six. <laughs> yes. And then yeah. maybe Milner, um, depending on how fit he is, and then one of Woodburn or Curtis Jones for me. Yeah. I don't really want to see Henderson there. Um, I'd, 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 we just got to protect them. Um, but yeah, as I said earlier, two of them are, are just freaks who don't seem to get injured. Um, so maybe play two of them and then one of the youngsters and then... It'd be nice if um, Jean suddenly appeared from somewhere, wouldn't it? But I think, yeah. it, I think his absence is very conspicuous, basically. I think that's... I think it's probably informing the fact that he's his decision's made, isn't it? It, it, it seems that way anyway, because I don't believe this I, back injury is lasting uh, this long. I, 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 don't, <laughs> I don't. I don't. I do love a conspiracy theory, but for me, I, I just think he's injured. You think? I yeah, think perhaps. Yeah. yeah, just the fact he went off against Watford. It's not. A, it's not a Coutinho thing where he's. I think for me, know, it's just a complete lack of activity on social media. That's what I'm. <laughs> that's what I'm looking at. He was. He was so active on there. I've not, I've not even seen him. Not seen him anywhere you know, around the training ground around Melwood. Yeah, he's not been in the stands cheering the team on. It's, it's a little bit. A little bit strange. Um, yeah, but, but at the same time, he might he might be there, but the 
TV cameras just don't show him. Oh, come on, he's like gorgeous. They, they, they definitely get a shot of him. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't believe the conspiracy. I think if, if it was like that, I don't think Klopp would be yeah. saying that he could play again this season and stuff like that. But ta- but yeah. time will tell. I, mean, I imagine more, more will come out when it, I imagine he'll It would be a great card to pull out of his hat, wouldn't it? But, uh, yeah. yeah. But if, if, if he ends up just magicking up in the starting eleven at, at the weekend... I think that I'll have more questions to to answer, yeah. but Get at the same time, I'd be very, ha- I'd be very, yeah, I'd be very happy. But uh, yeah, I think that'd probably um, lead to more questions from the fan base, if anything. But um, yeah, it'd be great to have him back, even if it's just in. I think the the official line is that he might be back in May a bit earlier than we think, but hopefully, hopefully he's back. Um, at some point in the next month. Um, but up front, as you said, Salah doesn't seem to take breaks. He just, he seems to get um, subbed off after he's done something. So And, and then we screw up. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think Salah will start, as you say, he's chasing um, personal, award, personal awards and records and stuff like that. And then, then I think you pick one out of Firmino and Mane and then probably Ings. Because I think Solanke... Um, seems to have good XG numbers and stuff like that. I think that was doing the rounds on Twitter um, last week, but he, he, he's just—he's not doing it. He's not doing it on the pitch. Let's be honest. He can have all the stats in the world, but he's—he's he's a tryer. But it's just—it's just not coming off for him at the moment. So I'd probably pick Ings. Um, but yeah, that—that probably be my starting eleven. Yeah, considerable changes there. I mean, Adam, just bring you back in. When you're hearing that, I mean, I guess that there's. You're hearing that we, we we might chuck a few debuts in there alongside also players, sort of fringe players who, who haven't played that much this season as well. It gives you even more of an opportunity, I guess, to to unsettle us because it would be a, a, a consistent lineup for yourselves. Um, are you expecting any specific yeah. changes for the game on your side, or is it going to be a pretty consistent team? No, as as, as I said earlier, I, th- I think we'll, you know, we'll, we'll we might change. Um, Johnson, uh, Bauer might slot back in at right back, um, bringing Ramadan, uh, Sobian on the left. And then it'll be a case of whether we play Crouch and Juf up front or whether we put an extra man in midfield and one up front, which, which we, um, we may do. We might bring Cameron in, into a three man, three man midfield and play either Crouch or Juf up front. Um, but yeah, hearing, Hearing guys' uh, predicted team there, I'm feeling a little bit more confident now. I think I think we're going to come to Anfield and win, you know, boys. I think I think we're going to do it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think it's, I think it's going to start. It's going to start our mini revival. Um, and we're going to get nine points. <laughs> it it would be typical Liverpool, though. <laughs> Screw up. <laughs> After the West Brom game, though, I've, just, I've got, I've got it's, it's enough charity. Just can't just just so annoyed <laughs> they managed that. <laughs> it is at Anfield just, though as well, which our record is outstanding this season, isn't it? Yeah, it it is. I, I've I, I can't. I, I don't know if it's blind faith or not, but I've I've had this real sneaky feeling that we're going to take it somehow all the way to the final game of the season. We're going to defy the odds, and then somehow in Stoke style, muck it up um, <laughs> on on the last game of the season. So you never you never know. No, for sure. I mean, um, guy. Other than those changes, then I mean, you, and you're talking about the front three. I mean, you you don't think he's going to be tempted to to leave one more in than than perhaps he should. I mean, h- how much in the balance do you think Klopp thinks that that second leg is? I mean, it's still a very healthy lead that we get, 
that, that, that we're taking to Italy. Um, and you imagine one goal, which I know Roma have that record of having conceded no goals in the Champions League at home. Um, but we're here to break those records, aren't we, really, with this, with this sort of attack? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just how distracted do you think the players will be? I mean, it's, 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 it's hard to say, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's kind of difficult to measure, but if you just go off what Klopp preaches and the way he is, I don't think he'll allow the team to get distracted and stuff like that. And in terms of the front three and um, how uh, finished the game is on Wednesday, I, I think we, I think it, it's obviously not finished, and I don't think Klopp will allow us to allow the team to think it's finished. But with a free goal buffer, it should be finished. But at the same time. Um, We've got we've got a job to do with the top four as well, haven't we? If if, if top four was secure, say if we won against West Brom, may, maybe we'd see basically the under twenty threes and stuff like that coming in for a Saturday. But but no, we we uh, we have a job to do, and I, I think I think we'll probably see, as I said, at least two of the front three. Because I think if you keep two of them, there's there's a uh, there's enough to carry one person. I think I can't remember which game it was. It might have been Everton. Where it was Solanke and Dings and Mane just looked completely lost. <laughs> so I, I kind of felt sorry for him with what he was used to, but I'd, um, and then Dom and um, Danny come in. So yeah, I think I think he's got I think he's learned from that, and now now he'd like to keep two in. And um, as we saw against West Brom, Danny Ings does have a goal in him at least. I mean, he missed a missed an easy chance as well, but Danny Ings can score a goal, so it's. If he can do that again, we just got to rely on the the people at the other end of the pitch to keep the ball out, really. So yeah, I think I think the front three will be there to hopefully get the job done and then sub them off early, which we seem to be doing to, in terms of resting them from the start. We try to take them off earlier than normal. Yeah, and Adam, just, just before we come to predictions, then I guess what are you thinking that you're going to play off? Then are you, are you encouraged by sort of the errors you've seen, sort of Lovren and a couple other? A couple of other defenders make in recent uh, in recent weeks and, and and last night as well. Obviously, in those last ten minutes, I mean, do you think a direct approach is is what you're going to see? I, I think in previous years at Anfield, we have tended to go with uh, with with Crouch up front. I mean, it's not it's never really been that that successful because you know you need although it's direct, you still need to retain some some kind of of possession and progress up the pitch to try and get into those into those attacking areas. So as I said before, it's a, it's a catch-22 position, really. I, I I really can't call it, Harry. I really can't. I, I, I don't know how how he's going to set up. I, you know, I, I think Lambert was there last night. Um, I, I didn't see the game um, myself, so I can't, you know, I, I can't comment on on any defensive errors that may or or may not have occurred. But Liverpool have had them in them, I guess. Um, Van Dijk's come in and steadied the ship. Whether he will yeah. he will play on on Saturday, you know, I don't know. If he doesn't, um, you know, there is that, mm. there is a mistake. Um, I in, think, in I think those, I think we have to play him. <laughs> yeah, 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 you know, and 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 he's he's really you know he's kind of been that calming influence in the back and probably the the guy that that you've needed um, mm. to to kind of maintain the run the run that you've had. So I. As, as I say, rather him than me. I, I really don't know how how he's going to uh, a, approach the game, given given the position that we're in, given the attacking threat that uh, that potentially could could be on the pitch for Liverpool. It's it's intriguing, I guess, in a kind of perverse kind of way. Really, you know, who, uh, there's kind of a lot of 
a lot of questions that that won't be answered in, in, until the day. I, I imagine, you know, with 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 team makeup and uh, and tactics and things. So, you know, when when we hear the teams at kind of eleven thirty, twelve, it will be um, it will be interesting um, to to see, and that will, I guess, give us an indication of of how both teams are going to um, going to approach the game. But um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Liverpool. Are, I would say a fir- obviously firm favourites to get that that fourth spot um, at least. I guess they'd have liked to have been a few more points ahead of Tottenham. I think who've got a game in hand. I think you're two points, three points clear. You know, fourth is I think be pretty catastrophic for Liverpool to to lose every game between now and the end of the season. So, um, so yeah. So you know, I imagine that he's going to throw all his eggs into uh, in, into the Roma basket and and, and see what happens. Absolutely. So I think I'll just uh, I'll I'll save you any sort of more predictions and, and and just come to yeah that point in the pod where I'm asking you to sort of try and think about what that score is going to be. Uh, Guy, I come to you first. What do you think we're gonna we're gonna see on Saturday? Um, I think we'll win. Um, but I think we'll kind of have a bit of a panicky finish like against West Brom. But I think <laughs> I'll go two one. So, oh, yeah, ahead. if it, if it's a change back four, I think it'll be I think it'll be panic stations towards the end of it. And, and Adam, how about you? Um, well, I I think irrelevant of uh, irrespective of 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 what team is is going to get put out, I, I think it'll be really difficult for us certainly to come away um, with anything other than a point. Um, although you know, I, I think even that is probably um, a, a step too far. And that, you know, I can't even see a scoring, to be perfectly honest. So um, I'm going to go for a 2-0 a defeat. So, um, yeah, 2-0 to Liverpool. Mm, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty boring... It's a tall order for yeah, Stoke. Yeah, it's a boring scoreline for Liverpool. That we, we, we don't <laughs> tend to do boring for for the right and the wrong reasons um, in recent weeks, especially, or just throughout the season, to be honest. But I guess we'll see. Yeah, I'm going to go for... I mean, you have had a, a problem scoring goals, but we, we tend to solve those problems at times, although far less than we used to. But I'll go 2-0 as well. But um, before I round it up, guys, I just want to thank you both for coming on. Adam, with that insight there for Stoke and guys, as always, just great um, great commentary there on Liverpool and, and just how great this season has been so far. It's an exciting journey that's not over yet. But just before we go, I, I just wanted to sort of have a comment on here as well, um, just sort of... Um, sort of sending well wishes to Sean Cox, obviously, who's that that fan who um, mm. who was uh, attacked last night uh, b- before the game by Roma fans, and um, he's he's in hospital with a, crit- a critical head injury. So yeah, obviously wishing him well, hoping he's gonna he's gonna pull through because it does seem to be quite serious there for him. So, Absolutely, yeah, it's shocking. Yeah, no one well wants said to see her. that. And um, mm. equally, just uh, I don't I mean I'm not sure how important it is to say it on a podcast, but. Um, the way in which it's been covered as well is, 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 is sort of disappointing to me in terms of reported as clashes between between fans when it's it's quite clear to everybody who was there around the incident that it was a it was an attack on one fan or a group of fans by Roma fans and uh, yeah, I just don't like the whole insinuation that it's a it's an attack by football yobs and this is just what we do we get drunk and you know try and fight each other that, that's certainly not the case so um, yeah hoping he pulls through and. Um, and uh, there's there's nothing like that, obviously, in the return leg as well. So, anyway, guys, uh, thanks so much for contributing, as I said before. And um, to everyone who's listened, I hope you've enjoyed it. And um, yeah, the Premier League sort of taking a sideshow as the Champions League campaign's winding to a, 
uh, exciting finale, but I hope you've enjoyed it. And we'll, we'll be back next week to, to preview the next game as well. So yeah, thanks for listening, guys, and we'll, we'll be back soon. Sports Social Podcast Network.